0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Aquademia Podcast. This episode is a little different for us. In March, we attended Seafood Expo North America in Boston, Massachusetts, where we had our official launch event for this podcast. Cena is one of the biggest seafood shows in the world every year, and we're fortunate to have it right in our backyard. While we were there, we were able to sit down and talk with a lot of different people in different branches of the seafood industry about what they do, what the biggest challenges in the industry are, and where they think it's headed. This episode is a compilation of some of these short interviews, and hopefully it'll give you a good idea of what it's like to be at Sina. Before we start, make sure you're subscribed to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you have a minute, leave us a five-star review on iTunes to let people know that they should be listening too. Alright, back to Boston. Let's talk about Seafood. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. And I'm Justin Grant.
4: And I'm Maddie Cassidy.
0: And we are recording live at the Seafood Expo North America here in Boston, Massachusetts. Massachusetts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a keeper. Cena we're
4: currently in a sea of three thousand booths yeah, it sounds
0: <laughs> it sounds noisy because it is noisy and I'm sorry that you uh you're missing out on the lovely bagpipe music that was playing in the background earlier <laughs> but um we we're at at this show because it is one of the biggest seafood shows in the world. It happens once a year in Boston and, uh in the very early spring and you get folks from all over the globe that are connected with the seafood industry.
1: We have, we're in the processing equipment section.
0: Yeah, you might hear some noises, some weird mechanical noises in the background because we're surrounded by like, like fish fillet packers and cutters and box sealers and stuff. So you get people who sell some of this big equipment, you get people who grow fish and are selling fish, you get distributors, you get uh, online retailers.
4: Fishermen. Fisher people. Fishermen. Any, anyone who
0: seems to be somewhat connected with the seafood industry is most likely at this show.
1: And your hardcore uh, freebie gatherers. Yeah. They pay to come in and get, uh, you know, a lot of A
0: lot of swag, swag chasers, if yep. you will.
4: Bumper stickers, yes. Phone wallets, yes.
0: So we wanted to make sure, and this, I don't know... This may be, Justin, you brought this up. We may be making
1: history right now. Yeah. Today. This may be the first podcast ever recorded at Cena here in Boston, ever. We don't know that for sure. We don't know that <laughs> for sure. We don't know that for sure. <laughs> don't quote me. But I, I have. But you can.
0: It's, tr- it's true. I have not heard any podcasts that have been recorded at this show. Um, this is really a remarkable place. This is. It's amazing to just watch. I mean, it's like miles of seafood booths
4: yeah i think it's two or three football fields long it's just
0: booths. it's huge there's so many people and it smells delicious because people are cooking Mm -hmm. fried food and there's a lot of samples and it's delicious
4: and there's a bunch of really interesting conference sessions like i went to one today about how to increase seafood consumption per capita by 23 pounds i'll tell you how you do that i'll
0: tell you how you do that You get people to listen to Aquademia, am I right? (laughs) Yeah. hey (laughs) oh. Plug, plug, plug. So we wanted to make sure that we recorded here because this is a huge gathering of some of the biggest and brightest brains in the industry that happens once a year. There's also a really huge show in Brussels every year, but that show and this show, and there's one in China too, but those three shows are kind of the main seafood conference shows that happened throughout the planet and you get everyone here. So we wanted to take advantage of some of those brains and get them on the show and hear what they're doing, what they have to say. So um, we're going to be doing some five minute, some quick five minute interviews with people that, um, that we run into here at the show that have really cool things that they're doing. Some really some innovative really good things, innovations, yep. some really neat stuff, some new programs happening and just some really interesting people in the industry. So stay tuned with us. Um, You're gonna hear from all three of us throughout this show and we'll give you a little taste of what it's like to be at Seafood Expo in New England.
1: Yeah, I wish we could uh, add some video clips. We're gonna do our best to describe the scene here, but I mean, Maddie, like you said, it's like two or three football fields of of wall-to-wall Um, Very colorful displays and...
4: Signs.
1: Signs. And and smells. Again, the smells. It smells so good here. (laughs) I'm
0: so hungry. (laughs) But what we're going to do is we'll post uh, some links in the show notes that link to a gallery of some photos from the show. I'm sure we'll have some photos that uh, will be shared on our social media pages as well as our website, likely. And we'll also give some links to some of the websites that the guests that we have on the show
1: are representing. So... If you like being a part of history, congratulations. If you're listening to this, you are a piece of history. You're welcome. Please pass that on to your friends if you would like them to also be a piece of history.
0: The other cool thing about this show is we are doing our official podcast launch. At this point, when you listen to it, it's probably long past, (laughs) but we're having a big launch party and happy hour at our booth, and I'm really excited for it, and maybe we'll get some audio from that as well. We we are going to be live streaming it on Facebook, so hopefully we'll get that as well so yeah. are you guys Hopefully ready you
4: all showed up to the launch event
0: yeah you guys ready to hit the show
4: let's do it let's all do right
0: it. let's talk about seafood so we're sitting down right now with moises del rio from Verlasso salmon Verlasso is a salmon farm company from out of chile and uh why don't you give us a quick background on who you are where you came from and how you got to where you are
2: yes sean so my name is moises del rio i'm the general manager of Verlasso salmon so as you said, Verlasso salmon is a farm-raised salmon from Chile and Patagonia. We raise salmon sustainably, and uh, my background is actually the—I mean, the wine—I was in the wine industry before, so oh, I'm really? pretty related to the to telling the story of provenance of you know your products, and for us, telling the story of the provenance of our salmon is very important as well. Very cool. So how did you um, end up at Verlasso? Uh, You know, it was an opportunity. I was actually living in South Africa when I was working in the wine industry. I spent five years there. And the opportunity came to work in this incredible project of Verlazo Salmon, raising, you know, sustainable salmon from Chile. And, you know, a a great opportunity to, you know, become a leader in the U.S. market. And, you know, it was a no-brainer.
0: Is it a big shift going from... uh wine industry to
2: seafood industry a big shift. are
0: they uh, very are yeah. they similar yeah. or?
2: they obviously they're different but they share some similarities I think as I as I was mentioning that the fact that you're telling the the story of the provenance of, of your product like in the wine you know it uh, you know whether it comes from Chile or from France and the deep, different locations where you where you plant it you'll have your specific wine your, yeah. it's what they call the terroir and in the salmon it's it's what we call the marar. You know, so oh, okay. the location, <laughs> where you, wh- how you feed it, everything will make your product what it is. Salmon and wine, to me, both taste very good. So there's a
1: <laughs> there's a connection.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's
1: there's a similarity.
2: Who wouldn't love a, a salmon pair with a nice uh, Chardonnay? That's uh, the best go. combination ever.
1: I, I, I see something a brewing in your head right yeah. now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> not gonna lie. I know nothing about wine. <laughs> I'm not gonna claim to know anything.
0: But it sounds good, I guess.
2: What yeah. about light? Would be also equally as good all right
0: that works (laughs) so tell us a little bit about Verlasso. what are you guys up to what are what are big plans for the future what do you do for anyone who has no idea anything about salmon farming or how it works like what what's your
2: yeah so at Verlasso, as as I mentioned it's farm-raised salmon from the Chilean Patagonia we raise salmon sustainably and what we mean by sustainably is that we you know we 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 are conscious about the impact that we have in the oceans and in that sense uh, you know, we try to, you know, farm our salmon the the best way possible, That the way that it doesn't affect the oceans, but also the way that, in you know, a way that our salmon can grow and live, you know, in a harmonious way. A um, couple of things, uh, you know, to highlight, especially for this year, is the fact that we have improved our feed model that uh, historically has been using a fish in fish out ratio of one to one, meaning that you take one pound of feeder fish to take one pound of salmon away. Yep. Right. And we're we're actually today we're we're using a feed model that uses no whole wild caught feeder fish, and uh, it, we replace those omega threes with our with a algae that is rich in omega threes, and also we replace it with fish trimmings. Is that from Veramaris? Uh, it comes from you know different sources okay
0: because we spoke with we spoke with the folks from veramaris as well who are doing that and it's
2: there's some suppliers different suppliers you know from the for this algae
0: it's a it's a cool thing cool new thing yeah
2: absolutely and we also use fish streamings from uh, sustainable fisheries so let's say you you eat you know canned uh, uh, anchovies whatever it's you know the leftovers the byproducts such as the head or the tail we would you know we would use that as a as for our you know for our feed so that you know, you're not using primarily whole wild-caught feeder fish to get... You're not You're not
0: taking fish from the ocean specifically to make your feed. You're using byproduct. Exactly. Because why would you not use that if it's available?
2: Yeah, so that actually lowers our fish-in-fish-out ratio to... You know, s- lower than one to one, we're actually aiming to a zero to one, but that obviously will need some extra work to be done. Right. That, I think that's achievable though down the road for sure. Absolutely, but, uh, with all the new innovations and technologies that we've been seeing in the you know in the industry. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. You know that fish meal comes up in a lot of conversations and, and fish meal, fish oil. Yeah, fish meal, fish oil, and and to be able to have these innovative techniques that are coming out so that, you know, it's beneficial that you can still get the results with the fish that you're harvesting by, but also by not using as many fish that are caught out in, in the wild as for, for, yeah, for feed.
2: We're actually looking, at, I'm sure you've seen, you know, kind of like new innovations, like startups that are using insects, you know, to be used as, as, yeah, as, you the know, pr- as a protein. As meal, a protein. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we're not there yet. I mean, th- I think it needs some, you know, some, some work to be done yet, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, the, the possibilities are out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell us about your farms and where,
0: where you're located and... Uh...
2: Exactly, so kind of like the second thing be- besides our, our, our feed model that we're improving is kind of the diversification of our farms. So today, our farms are located in the 11th region, just to give the audience a kind of like a sense of place. Chile is a very long country. Uh, it's uh, you know, almost 3,000 miles long, uh, and it goes from north to south. It's divided in 15 regions, the the first one being the northern one and 15th being the Southern. the southest one okay, okay? and uh, our farms are located in the 11th and we are uh, adding some farms in the 12th region of magallanes where you know the conditions are better for farming salmon our ver- the waters are very pristine waters is very cold there down there so it allows our salmon to grow naturally with a, almost a zero use of antibiotics there's yep. no sea lice over there, so it's definitely perfect uh, environment to grow salmon. We are adding some farm sites over there uh, in order to, you know, be able to choose um, the best farms possible where we can grow verlasso. That's great. That's awesome. So, obviously, you know, outside of the
0: industry, there are some major misconceptions about farmed seafood and as a general, but more specifically, farmed salmon. And I'm, I imagine you run into that quite often in, in your line of work. Um, what are some ways th- that you think we can start addressing some of these misconceptions and clearing the air and making people feel more confident with farmed fish and farmed salmon? And
2: yeah, I think it's all about communication, you know? It's about telling the story and kind of explaining people the process of farming salmon. It's like uh, Barton Siever used to say, if you close your eyes and you picture a, like a chicken farm, it's very clear. I mean, it's very visual. You have the like, you know, the land, the the, the barn. It's very clear. But if you yes. close your eyes and you and you picture a salmon farm, I don't think most people can really understand yeah. what it is. Exactly. So it's all about telling the story, communicating you know for the trade especially you know bringing them to Chile and and this is what we do we bring all of our partners and we bring as many people as we can to Chile so they can see with their own eyes what we're doing I mean to take salmon from to harvest salmon in you know in these remote places where we do it is you know it's remarkable yeah
0: I'm Mm -hmm. glad you said that because this is I mean that's what we're trying to do with the podcast is we need, you know, we need to find new outlets to, to get information to people because a lot of people just, as soon as they hear farmed fish or aquaculture or farmed salmon, yeah. they just sh- turn off and they just, they don't want yeah. anything to do with it. So how can we get information to people? That's the, that's the challenge.
1: Yeah, it's a communicating piece. Like you were saying, education is is key and we're getting there. It's it's a hurdle, but I think especially sitting in on this, sh- this three day event, And just hearing all these stories and these innovations and and these outlets of all the great things that are happening. And we just got to keep pushing forward. And and hopefully there'll be a a point where someone can close their eyes and picture what it means to what a fish farm looks like. like.
2: At the end of the day, we have to push Seafood consumption—you know, whether it's farm or wild—we yep. have to push everything as long as it's, you know, sustainable. There's, I mean, there's, absolutely, there's, that's there's, the key word There's bad aquaculture. There's good aquaculture. Let's support the good aquaculture. Yeah. And same thing with the wild. Uh, you Just know, as make, you know, make good choices, make responsible choices. That's what it's all about. Yeah. As you know, the the protein demand in by 2050 will double. Yep. yep. So the only way to you know to meet that demand is with aquaculture. There's no yep. other way. So yep. we have to support it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, we're always talking about. There's no wild cattle anymore. When you get beef, it's farm it's raised, farm. and so we have to kind of switch people's gears to thinking or realizing it's okay to farm fish. This is what we've been doing with all of our land-based proteins. We can do it with the with the yeah. sea animals as well. So,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: So we're getting. I, I want to keep it a little
0: short. Where you know we're getting a little bit long. I don't want to keep you for too long. But um, just the one last question: What is um, what are some of the challenges that you're facing right now, and what
2: do you anticipate will be some challenges down the road for you guys? I think the main challenge for us is, I, I think we kind of already talked about this, is educating people, convincing them that, you know, yep. farm farm salmon is, is a must. It's yep. happening. It's here. And we all, the only way to do it is, you know, we, is to support it and have retailers and have chefs and have consumers, you know, embrace it because it's the only way we'll, we'll be able to, you know, to make it. Yeah.
1: So if any of our listeners want to
2: learn more, where should we direct them? Um, So we should direct them to our website, which is Verlasso.com. All right. Uh, If they want to know where they can buy Verlasso, they actually, there's a very cool link that says where to buy. Yep. And uh, depending on, according to where they are, it will, you know, direct them to the different places, whether it's retail or restaurants. Okay. Nice. I like how
1: it's, easy to find once you get to the website yeah (laughs) the
0: website is I'm actually on it right now and it's super easy to to navigate so the V-E-R-L-A-S-S-O dot com so make sure you check that out so you got
2: anything else Justin? no that was great just wanted to quickly add that we are as part of our kind of like our our campaign of communicating and educating people and kind of to spread our voice we're partnering with uh, Chef Andrew Zimmern who is a James Beer award winner uh, you know book author and a celebrity yeah. and we're taking him actually to Chile in a couple of weeks where we'll be where he will be seeing the operation and the process of lasso from egg to harvest with his own eyes and the idea is that also you know he being a very uh, you know important Influential, voice in this yeah. space yep. to be able to support it as well that's awesome that's great yeah. and I'm
1: sure any um, his post visit and anything that he's writing about or stories he's telling will probably also be on your website I would assume
2: it will be on our website. It will be on our social, social media yep. platforms and on okay. his social media platforms as well. Excellent. Awesome. We'll make sure to get the information out there.
0: Fantastic.
2: Well, thank you so much again. This is uh, Moises Del Rio. He
0: joined us from Verlasso Salmon. We're really happy that you got to sit down with us. And thanks thank for being very flexible much. with the times and everything.
1: Thank you very much yeah, for really the opportunity. We really appreciate you your time. Thank awesome. you. Thanks. Cheers. Hey,
0: everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Aquademia podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. And I'm Justin Grant.
4: And I'm Maddie Cassidy.
0: And we're super excited right now because we're sitting down with Global Seafood Assurances Executive Director Wally Stevens. How's it going, Wally? Going well. Nice to be with you. Can you take a second and just give us a quick background on you, how you got here, just a a quick elevator pitch on where you came from and how you got here, and then we'll start talking about your program.
5: Well, I've been involved in the seafood industry almost 50 years, starting in Portsmouth, New Hampshire uh, at a manufacturing plant. And here we are almost 50 years later operating back in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, doing good work for the seafood industry.
0: Love it. And we love working with you. We love being in Portsmouth, too.
5: We have Wally here because he is
0: launching a new program in the seafood industry uh, that is an education-based program. Can you tell us about SALI?
5: Sure. SALI stands for the Sustainable Oceans Leadership Institute. It is a program that the Packet Foundation has previously funded, and their issue has been that they don't have the convening authority that a group like Global Aquaculture Alliance or the Global Seafood Assurances have. So, we are taking the program on this year to we'll take 25 men and women from around the world, We're going to meet in Brussels first, then on to Hong Kong uh, with a diversified show there, then on to Bangkok for the Seafood Summit, ending up in Chennai at the Gold Conference. And the focus of the group is really leadership development for these men and women with a focus on climate change.
0: So what, what types of activities are they going to be doing in this program? Is it courses and classes or project-based, or how is this how is it going to go go
5: down? Sure. So currently in the United States, we have a very effective program called Future Leaders, National Fisheries Institute, Future Leaders Program, which is really an opportunity for men and women newer in the industry to come together to understand the industry in the United States. The SOLE program is intended to take people more advanced in, in their careers to, in a pre-competitive way, discuss issues that uh, are critical to the future of the seafood industry. In this case, we're going to start with climate change and its implications to both fisheries uh, and aquaculture. Do you have a
0: application process or is it invitation-based? How, how can folks get involved in this program?
5: Sure. We have an application process through my associate, Katie Ladke. Uh, we also have been sending out a number of uh, notices, emails to people who attend these conferences today. Each one of these conferences is in conjunction with a diversified business uh, show, Brussels, Hong Kong, uh, Bangkok uh, this year. So they are really partners with us. We've uh, selected as our curriculum developer uh, the Gulf of Maine Research Institute to really create uh, some rigor and a curriculum around uh, climate change. We expect there will be capstone projects coming from the group of each of 20, these 25 folks so that a year from today they have a better understanding and appreciation of how climate change is in, in play today and what they possibly can do to mitigate it.
1: So if someone is to wants to look for some more information, is there a, a website or a link or something that we can point people to?
5: Uh, yes, both the Global Seafood Assurances website and the GAA, Global Aquaculture Alliance website, have information about uh, the Solly program.
0: Okay, cool. We'll link to those in the show notes on this episode. I want to keep it short with this being, I think it's really cool that this is like centered around climate change, because um, obviously that's the biggest issue that is facing our planet right now. What do you imagine would be some of the angles that we're going to try and approach this issue from in regards to the seafood industry, because this is a really huge issue that touches every industry. And, um, you know, seafood is is unique in some aspects of how we interact with the planet. So what do you think would be the approach towards global climate change from our industry?
5: Well, I think you need to start with understanding the realities of what's happening today. Uh, Fish that are being caught in the Gulf of Maine today previously were always caught in the Middle atlantic states and yet the regulatory process is that only fishermen from those mid-Atlantic states can catch those fish. So they need to steam up to the Gulf of Maine to catch the fish, bring them back to the mid-Atlantic states, process the fish, put them on a truck, and ship them to Boston to sale. From a climate change perspective, it's the implications for the fisheries in the United States on the East Coast, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, the oyster populations on the West Coast now having to move principally into Canada because of ocean acidification, those are the situations that we need to be aware of, recognize them, and and think about, well, what's the positive that could come out of that? Well, uh, we could move and recognize that there's a new fishery in Maine. It's not in the mid-Atlantic states. So repurpose vessels in Maine to fish for uh, those products. To the extent ocean acidification uh, is an issue, are there solutions with seaweed? you know, that might have benefit. There are going to continue to be radical changes in the seafood industry that are going to be driven by technology or issues like climate change that leaders need to think about uh, that benefit them or threaten them. So it's all opportunity and threat analysis that will make a difference. And we need men and women to think about it in a pre competitive way.
4: What's your hope of what will come out of the Solly program?
5: I hope we will have a ripple effect from 25 men and women in their communities around the world, in their businesses around the world, uh, that we will have essentially mentors for the second class that will again focus on some aspect of climate change. I cannot imagine that the curriculum uh, will not involve climate change for many, many years. So we'll have some alumni that come from it ripple effect in their communities and with their businesses and their governments potentially will lead to some solutions. Uh, working with plastic manufacturers to produce plastic in such a way that it dissolves uh, in the ocean, as opposed to floats uh, in the ocean, would be one example. That's super cool.
0: All right. Well, I think that just about to wrap it up. We want to keep it short, around five minutes. Wally. We love you. We love what you're doing. Thanks for sitting down with us today. If you guys want to hear some more about seafood and how it's related to global climate change, you can listen to episode three of the Aquademia podcast. We get into that. And I have no doubt that Wally will be joining us again for a full interview for whatever topic he chooses. Uh, But I think we're also going to have him featured in our Career Pathways Series as well. So, with that, I'm Sean O'Loughlin. And I'm Justin Grant.
4: And I'm Maddie Cassidy.
0: And I'm Wally Stevens. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Wally. Thanks, everybody.
4: Thanks, Wally.
0: <laughs> so, we're, we're sitting down with uh, Juan Carlos and Luis Ignacio Lib- Libreros. How was that? Pretty good. Very well. Pretty good. good. Very well. Um, and they're from Pesco Aquafarming, a couple of brothers. Did you guys fi- found the company? Did you start it?
3: We started the company.
0: Awesome. Give us a quick background on that starting the company, what you guys do, where you're where you're located, where your farms are, and
3: get after uh, it. I'll, I'll get started. Although I'm, I can't take credit for any of it, uh, the farms and well, they're
0: humble too. Look at that. <laughs>
3: we we um, come from a generation of, of, of farmers. Uh, we're the third or fourth generation farmers, and uh, since since we came into the operation, we also uh, our intention was to bring our own product into the United States. So, five years ago, we opened up a commercial home here in the United States. Uh, that was Luis's idea, he's my brother, he's the CEO of the company, I'm the COO. I live here in the States, in Florida, St. Petersburg, and he lives in Colombia. And um, uh, we, we opened it up with the intention of uh, creating a commercial engine for our production, as well as the Colombian market.
6: Yeah, uh, thank you Juan Carlos. Uh, Yeah, well, actually we've been in the American market for a couple of years, but in the farming side we've been for 32 years. So our commitment for fish production, well, we were the pioneers in Colombia uh, with tilapia, but uh, five years ago we also started with trout. So one of the most uh, commitments in all the pillars that we have from Global Aquaculture Alliance is all the sustainability and all the community work that we're doing with the communities that are nearby our productions or the people that form our team in our either farms or processing plants. So we in Tilapia are four BAP certified and uh, we are really committed to the pillars, to those pillars, which are the environmental issues and as well the community issues. So yeah, it's been great, great to be doing all this work to help all this uh, business grow, and as well to help all this community to grow with us, and to have the possibility to change their way of life. Because many of these people, before being in the fish farming process uh, or, or 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 growing growouts farming, they were in the uh, stuck in the drug deal or in the drug uh, mm. conflict in Colombia. So we're um, yes.
0: Yeah, so it's a location where that social accountability is yes. is making a big impact.
6: Yes, there's a big impact, and there's a lot of uh, changes in their in their new opportunities of life. So it's been great to to be doing all this work.
3: That's fantastic. What do you guys? What's what's on the
0: horizon for the future? Where you
3: where are you going from here? Well, Sean, thanks for asking that. Um, I think following up to what Luis was saying. Uh, he's been uh, a pioneer in Colombia in helping a, f- a cluster of uh, uh, 1,400 producers, indigenous people. Um, how many families does that represent, Luis? It represents six, 16,000 families. 16,000 families. And these people used to raise poppy seed, which, as you know, is is used for heroin production. Right, right, yeah. And now their way of living is trout farming. So Luis, and, and through our farm in Colombia, which is called La Esperanza, a red tilapia production in Colombia, soon to start exporting into the U.S. as well, Um, uh, was um, identified to help this community as he sits on the board of directors of uh, of aquaculture in Colombia and created a development program and training program for these people. And Luis has also created a, a commercial window for those individuals to be able to place their products. Into the Colombian supermarkets. So, in the horizon, what we see is helping these individuals now put that product into other international markets through us. That's great. Uh,
1: One of the questions I have for you is: looking, looking forward, what sort of roadblocks or barriers do you see coming up that, or hurdles that you may have to overcome? um, Looking down down the road, Mm or anything that your issues that you're currently working through? Um.
6: Well, if we continue with the trout production and the indigenous community, well, there's a lot of work still to do. Uh, these communities had three major issues, with, which were drug addiction, malnutrition, and unemployment, because absolutely their community were aimed for another type of business or activities. So right now, it's continue to help them in order to change their lives. If we go to tilapia, well, one of the things is how to communicate as well the consumer or the market what difference we have in Colombia how good or rate or premium quality we have the tilapia in Colombia you know Colombia has been for recent years number one in the world for USA and Canada and we are going to continue in that trend
0: in regards to tilapia yes. fresh yes. tilapia fillets yes yeah fresh fresh so there's a lot of uh, misconceptions and fear-mongering around farmed fish and and specifically farm tilapia. How are you guys kind of helping to
3: try and change some of those misconceptions around farm tilapia? Okay, so that's a great question. I think um, the, the the work that companies like, or organizations like the Global Aquaculture Alliance is doing and uh, getting the word out to the general consumer and breaking down the message in simple terms to the general consumer, because it's very easy for us to, to speak VAP and sustainability to our buyers in retail chains and supermarkets. Um, but another thing is to to develop a simple message for the general consumer, the yeah. people that are you know going to the supermarket or the restaurant. Yeah. Um, Just so to
0: share them, this is a healthy,
3: safe product that you shouldn't be afraid of. Not only that, but uh, by supporting this product, we're supporting the protection of the oceans, the protection of the environment, the, 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 the contribution people. to... Exactly, the contribution the to... Uh huh. And so, it,
6: the people, the fish. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just not about the fish. It's what's behind the fish, and yeah. behind the fish, we got a lot of communities, a lot of people, a lot of the environment. So, is is just what about the fish? No, it's what's behind the fish, and that's where we really aimed. You guys Isn't it trademark the tail? that. What's behind the fish? Is the, the tail as well. Yeah. <laughs> some some bubbles and currents.
0: <laughs> um. So that's awesome. That's about all the time we got. But I really well. appreciate you guys coming by. Oh, this thank
1: was you. Awesome. Uh, if, if any of our listeners want to
3: learn more about what you're doing, where can we direct them? Thank you, Justin. Uh, we have a website that obviously is net. Okay.
1: Excellent. So we'll make sure to link to that in our show notes so that our, our
3: listeners can have easy access. Very and well. To- and then in social media, it's Pesco Aqua. In Instagram or in Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, they can find us there Excellent. as well.
1: Now, if someone wants to contact either one of you, do you have a uh, contact page on your website?
6: Absolutely. So if you go to the page...
3: And under contact, they will find my number in there. So, okay. So, you can contact me. Mm-hmm. That's
6: great. Thank you, and Justin. If you want to contact me, we'll, you're more than welcome in Colombia because I'm the, the one all the time in Colombia. So, thank you, Justin, and say thank you, Sean, for, for this space and yeah. this interview.
0: Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us again. We're with Juan Carlos and Luis Ignacio Libreros from Pesco Aquafarming. We're super excited to have awesome. you guys here. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. We're sitting down. With Sarah Curry from Soraya Films. Sarah, why don't you give us a quick background on who you are, where you came from, and how you got to where you are now?
7: Yeah, um, well, I had something cool happen to me recently that'll explain things. So I was at Boston Public Market here up in Saturday, and I uh, was at the fish counter at Red's Best. And saw some monkfish from the Unicorn, which is a vessel that I happened to be a fisheries observer on. Oh, cool. Like 13 years ago. Yep. Uh, finished college. I'm from Louisiana. Studied marine biology. Headed up to New Bedford. and Bedford. Uh, <laughs> New Bedford. And got to hang out with a lot of Portuguese guys. And that was my first kind of how I fell in love with Portuguese, which Sarea means mermaid in Portuguese. And mm. kind of circle back to that later. But... Yeah, it was super cool recently to see this boat that I went out with. And actually, that was my only trip out to Georgia's banks and kind of seeing that historical fishing ground. So that's cool. Marine biology to fisheries observer. And then once I kind of learned um, about the oceans through seeing how we we're catching fish and or not catching fish um, yeah. from yeah. the ocean, I went to grad school and studied environmental journalism on Boulder and that's where i fell in love with filmmaking and documentaries and it's long-form storytelling it's science and art all together um and that's uh kind of what soraya is as well
0: cool i think that's a lot of marine science majors usually start off their careers as observers yeah i know I, i studied aquaculture fishery tech and a lot of my classmates started off observers on fishing boats so it's pretty common Good way to get your feet wet, literally.
7: (laughs) Yeah. People were like, you're going to go do what?
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, you start off as the young kid who just graduated and you're starting off as like the most hated person on the fishing vessel just by nature of what your job is. So um, so it's a great way to just dive, to (laughs) literally just dive in and and see what the industry is all about firsthand and be on the the harder end of that. So
7: hear kind of the tales of how it used to be and... um, But I had them threaten to leave me in the middle of the Atlantic yeah. in the winter because I was a woman on board and they weren't catching anything. And mm, that's clearly, bad luck. it was yeah. my fault. Oh yeah, right? that's bad. That's, that's bad, bad, luck, bad luck, luck because we're
0: living in the 1600s. <laughs> yeah, right.
7: Which I initially like. I started to believe them after a while because I because no one was catching a ton of stuff. And right. then I just realized that oh, it's we've, overfished. We've uh, drastically fished our, our ocean. So yeah, um. yeah.
0: So um, so tell us about Sorea. Yeah, so, Soraya.
7: Soraya um, so, I went to grad school and then ended up moving to Florida to have my dream job, working with a small production company, where I produced three uh, seafood documentaries, and they went on to be screened at international conferences. Actually, Sea, uh, web in Hong Kong, mm, cool. back in the day, a few years ago.
0: Way uh, back in the day. Back in the yeah, day. Back in the day. Um,
7: <laughs> no. Um, Fish Meat, Choose Your Farm Wisely, about different types of aquaculture.
0: I We used to promote that at the New England Aquarium when I worked yeah. there,
7: yeah? Uh, raising Shrimp, the Future of America's Favorite Seafood, and Then Why We Fish. So I was the only full-time employee working with those guys, um, so I got to see all kind of...
1: The ins and outs? And yeah. All, the
7: all aspects of production, so from yeah. pre-production to production to post and distribution and... So, coming out of that work, I founded Soraya to kind of continue that type of education, education and, and advocacy awareness stuff, yeah. uh, through film. And so, just kind of getting in, getting back into my, my love of seafood storytelling. So,
0: Cool. Cool. So, what are you working on now?
7: We've got a web series that's in production and post-production in Miami. It's called Eating Out, The Hunt for Sustainable Seafood. And... Miamians don't really have a good idea of what sustainable seafood is, like a lot of folks around the country, um, depending on where you are, yeah, so
0: but they do have a lot of fresh seafood available to them, so well. how uh, you got to make sure they make good choices.
7: Well, we actually don't have as much fresh seafood in Miami oh, really? as one would assume, and that's kind of the premise of the the series. Um, we have one of the largest ports in the country but commercially we don't bring it to town we have spiny lobster and we have stone crabs and stuff like that but what a lot of people are eating down there and thinking is you know this fresh local fish isn't really and so we interviewed different folks from larval fish ecologists at University of Miami to spear fisher women and then go to restaurants and kind of Anthony Bourdain-style little, like, sit down, order a couple dishes, talk about, like, why farmed cobia and oysters are, like, a good choice to eat at the restaurant. Um, so a new new kind of format of filmmaking for me right now. So we'll see. Sounds fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Hopefully it'll be an adventure that people can come along. Have you started releasing
0: us.
3: those?
7: No, we shot three, and we're editing and, three yeah, right okay. now. And we have three more... Um, Actually and I wanna get out to farms and get to get out on some stone crab boats and obviously I like to be out cool. in, in the environment in the water and I think people really firsthand. need to film it yeah, yeah. would love to see that too. So Well
0: that sounds awesome. I think it's that's really neat that and starting local is a a great start down where you are and I'm sure if it's successful you can start branching out and getting more a wider audience in different parts of the country as well. So it's pretty cool.
7: Yeah, definitely.
1: So this has been a, a good experience for I mean this is our f- official release of the Aquademia podcast. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thank Super you.
7: exciting. Thank you.
1: And I think we're on similar missions in that we're trying to educate and 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 show th- everyone digests information differently. And I think being able to show things visually whether it's audio based whatever those outlets are, it's refreshing to 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 see the advocacy work that's taking place in all these different platforms and how we can get the word out, and you're doing a lot of that great stuff through. Um, yeah, all your, I think, your
7: films. Um, like you said, everyone kind of receives information differently, wants information differently. So we're also doing a lecture series down in Miami, just because oh, some great. people want to show up and talk and um, answer questions. And will you be showing like
0: your some of your episode series? Yeah, episodes we'll definitely be
7: screening those. Around Miami, but even just doing talks where we teach people how to flay a fish, or talk about canned seafood and why that can be a really great choice, and um, absolutely. So I think I'm really excited about Yale's podcast. I think it's amazing. I'm always looking for a great seafood content, and yeah. it's it's a little hard to find out there. <laughs> yeah, it
0: is. That's why yeah. that's why we wanted to start it.
7: Definitely. So,
0: so keep us uh, keep us posted on when the release is happening, and we'll
7: yeah, try to make
0: sure that we can have some involvement. Definitely if our listeners,
1: if any of our listeners want to find out more, where can we direct them?
7: Soreya Films is online, Soreya S E R E I A Films org, but Perfect. also we're on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Vimeo. So cool. we are online officially so you can awesome. track That's us great. down
0: so we'll and make sure that we share some of those links in the show notes for the, cool. for the episodes
1: and is there a, like a contact page on your web page just in case people want to personally reach out
7: yeah definitely excellent
1: right. is there anything else that you want to put forth on the podcast something we haven't talked about that maybe you want to mention
7: not really it's my first Boston Seafood Show and uh it was super fun what do you think what do, you, what think? do you, think? you think of the show i think it's cool um i it's the third day i'm tired i've walked around a ton and i still feel like i could spend yeah. like a couple days walking we've been, around we've been recording <laughs>
0: all day which is amazing because we've been able to sit
7: right oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> the last two days i've gone back to the hotel room and like you sit on the bed and it's like the i still want to go to like like dinner but you. my body does not want to move
7: i know i just want to like Put your feet up against the wall yeah. and chill out. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work to be here, but there's some really, really good stuff that, that yeah, comes out I of it. I loved
7: the talks and seeing things from industry perspective and kind of catching up with folks that met over the years and seeing how everyone's developing and obviously talking about sustainability issues and more, more folks are bringing in like the social side of that and, um, yep. Yep. small scale that's industries. A, that's a big
0: thing the social side yep. yeah Yeah. Big, big conversation that's always happening in the last couple of years so
7: yeah and lots of opportunities everywhere everyone's like the opportunities for improvement <laughs> and yep. Yep. innovation yep. and growth you know so exactly it's super exciting to see all that
1: Yeah, it sure is yeah. well
0: thanks for joining us we really appreciate you stopping by and talking about Soraya Films yep. yeah um, thanks for having me yeah of course again Sarah Curry with Soraya Films and uh, if you want to contact her or see what's going on you can go to org, or s-
7: subscribe to our YouTube channel there and you go. you'll get like you know I think they send you notifications when we post new stuff oh, if excellent. you're a subscriber so oh, there
0: you go and then you'll be everyone will be ready when uh, when they start getting released so that's first perfect first tips on
7: the episodes yeah Ooh.
0: love it awesome so thanks so much um, and we'll talk to you soon bye yeah. thanks a lot for being here Um. alright you good? Yep, I'm, All right. good. I'm good. Sitting down with Daniel Farag from Pacifico Aquaculture. How's it going, Dan? Excellent. Thanks for joining yeah, us thanks today. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Why don't you start off by giving a quick kind of history of yourself personally. Where'd you start? How'd you get to where you are now?
8: Sure, sure. So Daniel Farag, I'm co-CEO of Pacifico Aquaculture. Um, started my career actually completely non-traditional. Okay. I came from a finance background. Um, okay. Worked in investment banking and private equity, and have my MBA. And um, at some point, I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore, and really thought about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And um, through a long story short, came across aquaculture and thought that was an excellent opportunity.
0: So you don't have a history of seafood? Not at all. That's fascinating.
8: Not at all. In fact, you know, through kind of my investment uh, career, I actually kind of fell in love with food. Um, and, and just like a lot of us, it doesn't show, (laughs) 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 luckily I also fell in love with exercise. So (laughs) that's, but, um, and, and I saw this opportunity in aquaculture that I think all of us have seen, which is, you know, we need more sources of sustainable protein. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. With
0: the growing population, it's Absolutely necessary. Exactly.
8: And, you know, pun intended, you know, dove in. Um, and in 2013, uh, with a business partner of mine, Omar, um, we actually identified Pacifico and, and purchased the company. Oh, and I think have I know Omar. Been running it I, think I've, since. I think I've
0: spoken with Omar. Awesome. So tell us about Pacifico.
8: Yes, Pacifico. Such a great company. We are the first and only ocean-raised striped bass farm in the world based in Ensenada, Baja California, okay. about an hour south of the U.S. border from Mexico. So we are effectively in the U.S., you know, operating out of the same body of water at the Pacific Ocean. Yep. Beautiful farm site, eight miles offshore, and we're growing this beautiful striped bass, true striped bass, it's fantastic in marine cages in marine cages exactly very cool so did you start the company or did you the company was on? pre-existing okay um, but in really really small scale yes. um, and yeah. it had a previous investor that kind of stopped funding it mm. um, which created the opportunity for us to come in and, and kind of take over sounds
0: like they needed some superior leadership
8: <laughs> it did right I mean it's not the easiest operation to run and and i think actually getting one of these companies off the ground and to the economies of scale you need is is quite challenging and we learned that the hard way um but we were committed to it um so striped bass i feel like
0: Stripe bass is a product that a lot of folks in america may not be as familiar with i think when the gen the general basic stereotypical consumer of seafood in the u.s probably is focused on shrimp salmon lobster, catfish in some areas. So, like, have you had struggles marketing and getting your products sold in the U.S., or has it just been a big hit? No,
8: not at all. I mean, actually the history of striped bass is it was kind of America's fish from the 80s. Oh, really? Yeah, if you read that book Four Fish, you'll learn about the history of it. And what happened is it's commonly found in the Atlantic, you know, kind of in the northeast of the U.S. And um, they overfished it. uh, Just like lot of other fish. Yeah. So, yeah. and now it's very kind of, it, it's regulated on a state by state basis and, and hard to come by, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's got
0: a season and it's not readily available. So that's probably why we're now seeing less consumption of it kind of gen, in general. Exactly.
8: And so, you know, actually, you know, fast forward to now we have the ability to provide kind of the culinary community, this product on a consistent available basis. And they're very enthused about it. And mm. absent that, it's a sea bass, right? So everybody knows and loves sea bass, and it's a handsome fish, and it tastes great.
1: Yeah, it is a good-looking fish, and I'll just uh, comment on the taste because we had some brought to the table before we started recording, and it was delicious. So yeah, tell awesome. us about yeah, uh, it's, it's
0: about probably the not food hard to mark here because that's pretty. You guys. Flew in some some special talent for this show, We did,
8: we did. You know, this is really a big kind of coming out party for us. You know, we've been around for a while. Yep. Us too. (laughs) Perfect, perfect timing for all of us, right? And we just had limited supply. We've been oversold uh, for years now. Um, And you know, the fish does take a two or three year life cycle to grow. Um, so that okay. fish is coming online now. So we're super excited that we're going to be able to expand production and supply throughout the U.S. for the first time. And so what we wanted to do here in Boston this year was provide you know, an opportunity for people to sample the fish and show them what Pacifico is about and, and replicate kind of the, the look and feel of our farm in Baja, California. Um, so we brought out an acclaimed chef. His name is Chef Drew Deckman. He's a Michelin star chef. Um, from the Valle de Guadalupe in Mexico where okay. we are yep. um, and he's serving the product in a number of different presentations all with Baja um, ingredients and if they were not available Baja inspired ingredients so yes. that we really can kind of bring the providence That's to, cool. to Boston.
0: Cool making a big splash more puns intended. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool um, and I haven't tried it yet I might my sea bass is waiting over there for me. Justin
1: couldn't well, wait. Well, and I was gonna say uh, it might not be waiting if, <laughs> if you wait I too long. I might eat it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's scarily.
0: And, good and, to hear. And you know, Arms I'm the closest one Justin. to it, so um. <laughs> fantastic. So, how's the show going for you guys? I'm good. Excellent. Yeah,
8: I, I think um, I, I, reception has been extremely high. You know, I think we've taken a different approach to how the booth looks and feels. Yep. Um, people are are you know. Really warm to that, and it's really kind of eye popping. Um, yeah. So, we're getting a lot of a lot of good buzz. It's, awesome, it's, that's great. It's awesome. Good. It's great. Good stuff. So, what do you see in the
0: future for Pacifico? What is the what is the goal to to work towards uh, down the road?
8: I mean, first and foremost, I think you know, at, from a, a higher level, there's we want Pacifico to be kind of at the forefront of telling the the good aquaculture story, right? We yeah. have such an amazing farm. We're doing things to the highest level of standards. Do you I have mean, certification? Absolutely. I mean, we, for us, we looked at GA's BAP program as the most respected you know, certification out there. Yep. Um, we know that it's, it's technical, it's rigorous, and it also takes elements of the community and the environment into consideration. Yep. Um, and we said, we are gonna do it all right. We are going to be transparent but to partner and get the certification from what we think is the highest respect to provide that third-party validation to the market and our consumers is paramount. And so yeah. we did that yeah. first and foremost. Walk yep.
0: the walk is, you
8: know? A hundred percent. And to be honest, it's so confusing out there, I think, as a consumer. It is. To understand what's the benefits of farmed versus wild. and yeah. You know, and yeah. what's this certification versus another and the use that's of the word exactly sustainable. That's exactly
0: why we started this show is trying to clear up some of that noise. There's so much, you know, there's a lot of lot of questions and it's easy for consumers to get confused and just go buy another pound of ground beef. So, you know, we wanna make sure that that doesn't happen.
8: Perfect. So. And going back to your question, Pacifico wants to be that premium, you know, or that, that delicious white fish, you know, kind of on your plate. Like a go-to. Yeah, and we wanna be at that restaurant and we wanna be in your retail chain and we wanna be, you know, in your kid's meal at lunch. There is not that product out there. We have a lot of great products, like you said, salmon, shrimp, you know, mm-hmm. go on. But yeah. there hasn't been that kind of consistent, delicious, you know, white fish that's readily available with a great story. Yeah. And the thing awesome. about
1: whitefish too is for some of our listeners who are maybe exploring, trying to get into this, if they don't eat a lot of seafood and they want to kind of start ex- experimenting like whitefish because it's not an overly fishy taste. It's a really good way to start out. And, yeah. And yeah. I get my kids to eat and, and white and fish, and they love it. Cook super fast, super fast, easy yep. to prepare,
8: exactly, yep. and and super healthy for you. So brain food, great. Yeah, and I think for for Pacifico, we don't want to be a commodity, right? There, there's this industry has kind of relied on you know a commodity basis for too long. Yeah, um, what we're putting into this is is so much more than that, and has so much value. Um, so we want people to to associate you know quality with Pacifico, and it's gotcha. important that we have that opportunity to tell that story. Well, I can,
1: and I know our listeners can only listen and not see, but I can t- tell from just our interview right now that how passionate and proud yeah, you are about how, how Pacifico is, what direction they're going in and the message that they're trying to send. And that's really exciting. To and s-
0: you're doing to things that. right. You yeah. Know, you're you're really making sure that you're, like you said, walking the walk. And,
8: and you know, I, and I'm glad that I'm here and I get to kind of, you know, be the opportunity to, to kind of introduce Pacifico to a broader audience. Absolutely. But it, it's about that team too, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we have been lucky. We have attracted, you know, people that are like-minded, extremely passionate and devote their lives to doing this and doing it well. And it shows. And I think we're continuing that momentum to get out there. Fantastic.
0: So for our listeners, what do you want our listeners to take away from this? What do you want them to know? What do you want them to remember from this conversation?
8: Aquaculture can be done right. It's the future. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, but I encourage you go to PacificoAquaculture.com We have a beautiful 90-second video just to give you the look and feel and and transparency of how we do things. And I I guarantee it'll change your mind about aquaculture if you weren't already a convert. Excellent. So
1: we're going to be able to link to that, um, to your website In in the show notes. If there's any of our listeners that want to contact someone, is there a contact page on your website? Absolutely,
8: contact page. Someone will get back to you, you know, very quickly, um, you know. And if you didn't have, if you weren't satisfied with an answer, I'll personally respond to it. So that's Fantastic. great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again,
0: uh, Daniel Farag from Pacifico Aquaculture. Thank you so much for yeah. joining us. We really appreciate it. We like having you on. It's great to have all these different guests on, and it's just helping push the industry forward. So. My Thanks pleasure, for guys. everything. Yeah. Nice thank to you. meet you. Yes, Appreciate likewise. It. Thank you for taking All the right. time. We're here today with Joe Philby from Gallagher Insurance, or just Gallagher. Gallagher, AJ Gallagher yeah. from AJ Gallagher. Um, he met with us here at the Boston Seafood Show. He's got a Gallagher has a pretty close relationship with GAA and BAP, so we wanted to make sure we got his perspective on things and what's going on for him here at uh, Seafood Expo North America 2019. Can you give us a quick background on who you are? Kind of how you got to where you are and yeah, sure. a little brief so, history.
9: So, yeah, I currently am at Gallagher. where I've been there for six months. Um, how I've got here, uh, it goes back to university. I've got a master's degree in marine biology. And there I got into fisheries and aquaculture, sort of focused in on those areas wherever I could. And when I got out of uni, I was like, okay, this is the industry I want to work in. After that, I ended up in aquaculture research and development. I was based in Malta, a company there, um, and that was very much hands-on with the fish, doing vaccination trials, feed trials, machinery development, things like that. Then, uh, sort of change of direction, and this was something I I'd, I'd identified was uh, aquaculture insurance because it's a way of, of working with a lot of different people, doing a lot of different things, different places. Uh, I'd actually got the idea originally. My my, my sister is in an insurance, and she works for uh, livestock and various things around. Her she so said, "So it's in the blood. It's in the blood." <laughs> my parents are. I don't know how this has happened. You've got two uh, animal scientists, two insurance professionals, and, and they do completely different stuff. So they, they're a bit confused, but <laughs> we are. They've built their path. They're just like whatever. Here we are. Nice. <laughs> so, um, um, but yeah, I, she was like, "I think people do insurance for this, and it's." It's not a it's not a very well known class of insurance. It's, it's niche, you know, niche as niche yep. as it gets. But yeah, I started talking to people about it. Went to Malta because it is such a small class of business, and it takes time to sort of get into that. And and someone actually told me, hey, go go work in industry for a bit. So I went. Go out forth. To, yeah, yeah. Go <laughs> get, get your hands dirty. You know, yeah. you've been in university for four years, but really, you know, what do you know? What do you know? Yeah. So I went out and yeah, got got stuck in, in Malta. Then back in London. So there's a bit of a movement, and, and so I'm going to touch. I like, do you want to come, come look at this, come, come do some insurance with us. So I did. So I went to a a small company, a broken company that underwrote or insured aquaculture stock mortality risks um, around the world. It was doing it was doing business in twenty five countries, thirty species, things like that. And it was very interesting. We you know we travelled, we we saw we saw risks from all over and, and it was good. It was good. I moved recently to Gallages because it's it is a small industry and we were finding getting people to just to just to know that it's available. It relies on on people communicating and getting out there and, and saying, you know, do you ensure your fish, do you ensure your stock Like. Why not? Do you know you can things like that? So shows like these are really super it, it, valuable it, for you because you can get face to face. with Exactly, people. exactly. You know, it's it's. We used to be sitting there going, "We need more business. We need more. We want to. We want to work with more people. We want to talk to more people." So coming here, um, we we just wanted to yeah. We just want to say hello to everybody, all these producers, and it's great to see what everyone's doing, and and just have a conversation about you know. Most other food industries or or agricultural industries, they're they're insuring what they produce. It's like, but in this industry, it's a very, it's the opposite, you know, people aren't. So it's just about having a conversation and saying, we are uh, a broker that does take this seriously. Like, you know, it's it's what I've been doing for the last seven years and we want to have a talk. We're in the middle, we're between you and the insurers. So we want to have a conversation about what it is you're worried about, what can go wrong and what can't you manage yourself because... I think if we're we're having a frank and honest conversation, a lot of farmers can manage a lot of, you know, they're they're in, they're in charge of the farm. They do it. They know it. They're the best. But yeah, that's what they do. And this, that's what they do. Yeah, and we're not in here in to say you cases, don't. In most cases,
0: you know, in insurance is one of those things that's, I imagine, pretty hard to navigate for a lot of people. Yeah, especially if you're, you know, your focus is farming fish. Yeah, you don't want to think about that. I know. So. Yeah. So,
9: I and mean, it's no one's favorite subject, but it's like you know. <laughs> Yeah, your properties insured, your your cargo. This—it's no uh, one's
0: favorite subject until they need it. I know. Yeah, I mean, and then they're happy there's, there's, that they have it. There's
9: so. plenty of things on a farm, like you know, cleaning and and you know, maintenance. It's not rock and roll, but it's you got to do it, isn't it? It's yeah, like insurance is the same. It's not rock and roll, but it's something you should really think about it. And and it's we just, just that w- ease of mind, really. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's that it's that thing we want to go. What is it that you can't look after yourself? What is it that's out of your control? That. if it happens to your farm you're in trouble and your your business is, is in jeopardy your yep. business continuity is at risk right and that's where where we want to we want to talk to people um, then we want to work with our insurers sort of on the other side of it and say this is what people want you're currently offering this uh, that and that's good for some people but we want to develop products in line with what people want so it's kind of we're in the middle and it's kind of a process where we want to go back and forth yeah. and well, kind of because it you know, is such a middle
0: niche industry niche market in aquaculture insurance yeah. i mean you know these insurance companies can build up certain packages but it's like it needs to be so specific because of what the industry is but it also can't be too specific because there's such a broad range of different yeah. ways that different species are farmed so yeah. i can and imagine it can get pretty complicated when you're just trying to figure out what to do for one specific uh, facility,
9: it is, and and insurance in you know your mainstream class of business, property, motor, it's driven by statistics and large amounts of data, uh, homogenous data. So you know road users, and that that data exists, and you know you can you can crunch numbers and you can come up with a fairly solid strategy. Whereas here, yeah, aquaculture, you've got people growing different species in different places. Yep different techniques you know it's everything's different so that's why it's you know it's this little niche class of insurance where everything we look at we have to kind of get really stuck into what we're working with we have to understand the farm sometimes that can be a bit off-putting to people because we're like we do need quite a lot of information you know but we want to understand it because it's this it's how it's going to work like people are going to need to know that so we can build something that is good for everybody you know so so given the uh the niche of what you're working in right now do you see
1: or what sort of challenges have you come across or is there any challenges that you have run into that you've you've kind of solved or is there anything coming down the road that you see as a potential
9: hurdle in what you're doing i think we've seen challenges uh and and problems or something we've just identified as is the the loss the losses that people are are suffering are, are are changing you know and and, is, and why is that? Well, I think at farms, people are becoming more comfortable with a lot of what they're doing, you know, in terms of what they can manage themselves. They're going, no, we're good at this. We got, we got this. You know, a while ago, disease would have been a real a real thing. Everyone's like, you know, disease is what I want. Yes. Nowadays, yep. a lot of farms are going, we've got that. We've got vaccinations. we got animal yep. husbandry is good. Uh, you know, we've got our stocking densities, you know, on the money. It's good. Um, so we're OK. So it's not something we're scared of. What we're seeing though is is larger scale, catastrophic losses where, you know, the 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 event doesn't fit the historical pattern of what's going on. So we're talking uh, algae blooms in in South America, uh, super chill up up in Canada on the east coast around here, yes. up, up above, and those events are are out of people's hands. Farms have procedures for algal bloom algal blooms. They're like, okay, if we get a bloom, we're going to we're going to put a tarp round. We're going to bubble up from beneath. Um, but when the whole region turns into a bloom, you know, it's like soup. It's like, what do you do? It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So at that point, and this is, yeah, this is what insurance is for. Yes. Um, yeah. But these events have become more frequent and the, and the scale, I guess, as the industry intensifies, uh, the losses are, are becoming more significant and more having a bigger impact.
1: Yeah, I think, like you said, and the industry's come a long ways. In a in a short amount of time, yeah, and so I think you nailed the hammer or the nail on the head. Where you know what we were dealing with for issues 10, 20 years ago, we mm. found solutions for. So if we kind of if farmers are feeling comfortable of hey, this is what we were dealing with twenty years ago, and now it's a non issue, but it's these whether it has to do with climate change or a- anything that's making these huge events that are taking place with massive loss in yeah. farming that can just put your entire business
9: underground yeah. and inevitably we're going to be farming in these areas that, that are prone to this area you know chili they're going to keep growing salmon there you know yes. yep. and the yeah, same east coast north america it's going to happen right. and and the industries are going to keep growing you know all around us at this this fair we're talking about how Aquaculture production is going to increase to, you know, another 44 million tons by oh, 2030. It has to. Yeah, it's yeah. going to. It's to feed going the people to. of yeah. the planet, it has to because yeah. there's too many people. <clears throat> so that's happening. So, you know, the farms are still going to be there and these events are going to happen. So it's like, well, how do we manage it? And it's like, you know, financial instruments, like insurance, are going to do that. But, you know, if everyone's losing all the time, yeah. that doesn't work out. That doesn't work eventually. I think i think the problem there is because agriculture insurance is so off the radar for so many producers i mean i think uptake of insurance is is probably you know one percent of the industry it's it's very insignificant so if you increase the number of people are doing that if we talk to more people we got more coverage globally of insured operations then there's a bigger a pool i mean that's how it works you know everyone pays into pool you have losses. It's going out. You know the premium of the many pay for the the, uh, yep. the unfortunate of the few. So yeah. and at moments so niche, we're not. The pool's not very large. So that puts pressure on the insurance companies writing these risks because they're they're collecting premium, but these huge these huge events are. Are taking that all away yeah so it's hard yeah. and it's quite a fragile situation where we need to increase uptake of insurance companies but we ne- the insurance companies have to survive you know like <laughs> or yeah, or oh, yeah you need the solution there as well like it's it, it's very much there's two parties to this yep
0: so have you been having good luck at the show
9: really good really yeah, good like it's good, really
0: good response good yeah
9: enough. we came in it's our it's it's our, t- our first time here and we we weren't sure what we're gonna see or find out or you know, we were like, people are here primarily buying and selling fish. I think mean, that's everyone sort of, you know, or selling their Focus. Or their equipment. Yeah, it's right, that right. But side. but you know,
0: having you guys here is a an example of the type of the, there's so the much... evolution of the
1: industry. Well, too. Yeah, yeah,
0: there's so much diversity in business at this. Like, it's not just fishermen and fish farms yeah. and and distributors selling boxes of dead fish to each other. Like, there's <laughs> a huge variety of different. Ends of business in this industry that that come here. So it's oh, yeah,
9: and we and when we got here, we're like we like yeah that that is that's is what we have got a feeling for. And, and yeah. people have been really happy to talk about us. You know, you, you say hello and they say what do you do? And we say insurance. And some people are straight away they're like hey, let's <laughs> talk about it. Other people yeah. are like I'm happy to yeah. talk about. it What do you do? And oh, so- I do insurance for fish farms. Oh, thank
0: the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I've <I'm> just been <laughs> waiting sit for down. you to come by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
9: So no, it's been really good. Everyone's been really like receptive. We've had a good time. We're uh, no, really glad we're talking about Brussels next. Yes, and, you know, stuff. back yep. here, and, and and yeah, it's been Unfortunately, really. Unfortunately, we won't be at Brussels. You know, but I'll tell you We'll have about people in. from Spirit the company there, there, but
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The academia will not be there. You find yeah. some uh, some hosts for the podcast. Yeah, already, be like, like yeah, pass yeah. the mic. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us. Thanks uh, for
9: having me. It's
1: been great.
0: Again, that was uh, Joe Philby with Gallagher.
9: And where's and Gallagher located? We are I'm personally in London, Central okay. London. We are a global company. Yes. Right. Found in North America. So we got a lot of a lot of, a lot of locations. Yeah, all X over. Cool. All over. Awesome. Well so. thank
0: you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of the show. Cheers, Last cheers.
9: day. That's it. We're nearly there. Hey. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so right. much. Cool. Thanks for a thank time. Much.
0: Thanks so much for listening to our CENA 2019 episode. We were super excited to get a chance to sit down with all these guests who are doing amazing things for the seafood industry. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to their companies. And of course, go to www.aquaculturealliance.org slash membership to become a member of GAA. If you want to contact us directly, email us at podcast at aquaculturealliance.org or call and leave us a message at 1-603-384-3560. Thanks, everyone.